Blog Talk Radio. The Net Live is brought to you by the Spire Institute, integrating sports and education, training and learning, performance and competition like no place on earth. SpireInstitute.org. Now, on with the show. It's that time. We have the people. This is Eric Moana. This is Priscilla Lima. This is Casey Patterson. The story in real time. We're a much better team now than we were then. I'm not looking at just this year. I'm looking at the next four years. You're listening to The Net Line with Barney. You didn't win, so you must not have done a good job. Peter. There's no better angle for sure uh, than the one from behind. Reeves. All this travel and plane and priorities have been really getting in the way of our relationship. And DJ Ruscha. I have great thighs. It's The Net Live right now. Can we have a hurricane edition, even though we're on the West Coast? Sure. For all those that are hunkered down in their places, hoping the Internet hangs on for another hour before Armageddon happens, before the zombies come. Because I really feel like from the news, that's what's going to happen. This is the beginning of the end of days. This is the walking dead. Oh, for sure. This is the the end of it. It's a post-apocalyptic world, falling skies. I mean, anything you want to come up with. Dogs and cats living together. Mass hysteria. I will say this. It is a serious, serious storm. They say it's going to gain strength after it comes on shore at New Jersey. Which is not what it's supposed to normally do. It's supposed to break up. Yeah. Yeah. But it's going to hit the jet stream, and that's going to feed it, and it's going to get stronger. It's going to turn into a super storm. And then there's going to be it's going to be iced over streets in New York City. There'll be wolves running around, and some climatologist will be looking for his kid. Oh wait, no, that's uh, the plot for a movie. I am Legend. No, that's another post apocalyptic uh, view. My bad. Yeah, no, uh, no snow and cold in that one. Although I enjoyed that film. It had its holes, but I enjoyed that film. Uh, not as many holes as Prometheus, which strangely I want to see again. I, I put it in my queue just to. So I can my Netflix queue, so I can watch it and complain about it like everybody else. The opening to that film is spectacular. That's what everybody says. Oh, the opening is cool, and you're set up, and then you just then it fails. Oh God! Have you seen Looper yet? You got to go see Looper. Looper. No, I haven't. Oh, you got to go. Take Nicole out on a date tonight. Say Nicole, it's a Monday. I don't have a DJ gig. That kind of crap never happens on a Monday. Let's go see Looper because it's a freaking awesome film. She will not get home till about nine thirty. Glee. So that's probably not going to happen. Yes, they are in full Glee production mode. Now you could go out at like ten. I can, yes. Oh, she'll be exhausted. Then she has to actually get up the next morning and work too. That's I don't. No I don't. That's no Monday's the only day I have to get up is to come here and see you. It's not the day after. I keep thinking the name of the movie is the day after, where uh, Jeff Bridges. Jeff Bridges, who plays the climatologist, Dennis Quaid. Dennis Quaid. One of the worst films I've ever Isn't seen. Isn't the day after tomorrow or day so? after tomorrow? Yeah, that you're might welcome. be it. Yeah. Unbelievably terrible film. So we hope it's not the day after tomorrow because it's such a bad film and it wouldn't play out well in reality either. I had a lot of friends on the East Coast. I grew up on the East Coast, right outside Washington, D.C. And I've uh, been texting with some friends and stuff and seeing how it's going. And Matt Romanowski, who uh, you all should know 
from Cuervo announcing. He lives uh, just outside Ocean City, Maryland. Things aren't good there. Right. Things are not good. Water's already coming up to the boardwalk. There's no beach. Oh. And the storm hasn't hit yet. My uncle owns a auto repair place, his own business, in uh, just outside Wilmington, Delaware. And uh, he's sandbagged everything. He, his location is next to a river that he knows is going to no. come right over. He, everything, they loaded all the equipment up on, on big pallets, put it up on the lifts. Yep. And so all that will be fine. They sandbagged as best they could, but he's just hoping for the best. A lot of water. A whole lot of water. That's what, the, that's what they say the damage is. It's not going to be from the wind and the rain. It's right. going to be from the flooding. Yeah, the flooding. Because it's just carrying a lot of stuff with us. We'll have Jay Hasek check in, our correspondent on College Volleyball Weekly during the springtime. He's going to check in with a hurricane update. Will he be outside and can we get live footage of it like he's like the weather guy? He's just getting okay. pelted with rain I'm with a microphone. I'm glad you said that. I'm watching Channel 7 last night, and they have a guy on the mic getting just destroyed with rain. But I swear to God, I want a picture because I swear to God, they placed him underneath an awning or at the edge of a of a of building. Like a system. Yeah, because it's blowing in his face in, in like gigantic drop. Like someone has four hoses turned on spraying him. There's no way that's coming out of the sky. That's coming off a roof line with a whole bunch of wind. And they went, ah, we're going to place him here and just make this look horrendous. I'm not sure if I saw that exact same guy, but... I feel like every weather person they have out there is just getting pelted in the face. Like, you can move. Right. Move somewhere else. We know what's happening in the background. I don't need – like, guys can't even look at the camera because water's hitting him in the face. Right. Like, he's drooling out of his mouth. I mean, it's ridiculous. Well, and I, I understand that there's a, an invention that they're trying to sell during this uh, during this hurricane event. It's a brand-new product that they're trying to sell, and maybe these guys could get one. It's called an umbrella. <laughs> I mean, get get one of those. It doesn't have to look like you went outside – you thought it was going to be a sunny day yeah. in San Diego, and oh, wait, you were in Pittsburgh, and it's raining. And I understand that we need to report the news, but when you're evacuating an entire area, and then you send the news crew in there, like, how come they're not in danger? Oh, I'd want to be the news how crew. How come they're not in danger? I don't understand. Like, how is it okay for them to be standing in a street that within minutes is going to be flooded, but it's okay for them, but everybody else has got to get out? Yeah, they're professionals. Professional what? I don't know. Talkers. <laughs> Professional, I'm not going to drown. I loved. Uh, I think it was Michael Bloomberg or one of the one of the mayors there was saying that uh, if you don't evacuate when there's a mandatory evacuation, or because remember, mandatory evacuation really doesn't mean you have to leave. You can still stay. If you don't evacuate, they said you are putting not only your life at danger, yeah. but first responders' life yeah. at danger. Do you want to be that danger. guy when you're like I'm sitting at home eating nachos and chips? What's going to happen? So your house floods. Get on the second floor. Come up in the loft. Be in the home court. We'll be fine in the home court when the floods come. It's not going to be, you know, it's not going to be Katrina. You don't have a levee system. You're not below sea level. Manhattan, you might be, but then you got a high rise. I'm not sure a lot of people, if they were listening, that could tune in from the East Coast would like your attitude right now. <laughs> hey, it's up to them. I'm saying, like with the fires and stuff too, where they say you gotta, you gotta have to evacuate your property. I'm staying my property until the last moment. I've got an escape plan. What's that? I will I will watch the fire. I will look for an escape route. But I will stay for a while. You're toast. I'm not leaving at the very first thing. I'm not staying like the guy outside of uh, Mount St. Helens, who is some 86-year-old guy told me he wasn't leaving his house, and, uh, yeah, he got hit by the pyrocrostic flow. I'm not staying like that guy. I'm not being the last, you know, second out, but 
I'm going to hang out and make sure my property's okay. I'm not going out with the first wave. I'll go out with wave number two. If I'm a first responder and you call me to come save you because the hose you have in the backyard is not saving you from the forest fire that's crushing your neighborhood, I'm just going to fly by and look at you and be like, that's your fault. I am I am driving out of my neighborhood on my motorcycle, full wheelie, on the dirt bike, <laughs> fire coming out from behind me like I'm Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh, that's what I'm doing. Holding the wheelie. I don't wish a natural disaster to happen, but if it does, you better have your GoPro on you so I can see... I don't want to. I don't want to see you get burned, but there's a lesson to be learned here, Kevin. And so you're you not, can you're, watch my awesome wheelie yeah. as I look back and yeah. you just see flames behind me. Yeah, because I'm going, what, oh yeah, because that's what's gonna happen. <laughs> that's exactly what's gonna happen. That's how it's gonna go down. Oh boy, we're gonna endeavor to put together a show for you today as we near Halloween. Which, by the way, on the Facebook page there is uh, an instructional video. <laughs> That DJ and I, Rache and I just watched. That was great. Credit to my wife, Arian, for pointing this one out, and we posted it on the Facebook page. Go check it out right now. Do yourselves a favor. Actually, during during a break, after you listen to our supporters. After you listen to us not talk about volleyball. Go check out this video because it, 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 it's an instructional. It's, it's informational for you, for your children, on Halloween. Actually, more on ho- the night of Halloween or the next day. So you need to check that out. We will have Jay Hasek check in. He will be giving us a call to report in on hurricane conditions out there in Happy Valley. We'll have the College of Volleyball Weekly. And we'll have a whole bunch of talk from Jeremy and I, because that's the way it's going this week, folks. I like that. We've got plenty to talk about. We have Thailand, last FIVB event of the year, which oftentimes is a forgotten event, because mm-hmm. it occurs so much, so many weeks after. Well, I know some of the players look at it, too, as kind of a little bit of a vacation. Well, and it's a little bit of a chance to try something new, and uh, Fendrick and Branna tried something new. So we'll chat a little bit about that and what that may mean for next year, because both Lauren Fendrick and Jenny Crop are, well, I guess not Jenny Crop, but Whitney Pavlik, are in interesting situations with their teammates. I actually had a chance to talk to Lauren Fendrick about it when she was at the SC match a couple of weeks ago, SC. Hmm. ASU. Look at you doing some reporting. Yeah. Talked to her for a couple minutes about that. She was out there with her soon-to-be husband, the Fuller Bear, Andrew Fuller. But it is. It's, uh, it's going to be an interesting season, and perhaps Thailand uh, showing you something about what the season may hold. A couple of bigs playing together, which is kind of cool. Talk about uh, substitution patterns. Relate that back to uh, football and volleyball. Give you something to talk about there. World Series. Did anybody even pay attention to that unless you were a fan of Detroit or San Francisco? I feel like the world leading up to the World Series is great and the World Series like I was watching football highlights and like halfway through sports and they're like, Oh yeah. San Francisco won the World Series. First of all, game one was Wednesday. While I was at Stanford. And everyone was getting super pumped inside Stanford. Like there were fifty people in the stands an hour and a half before the match and they had it on and every time something happened the whole place would go bonkers. Awesome. Pretty awesome. And then, yeah, and then during the match, they would put it on during breaks, and they yeah. would have update places going bonkers. In again, they're fans. Yeah, just great atmosphere, and that's the kind of feel like when you're at the Olympics. When I was at, in London, yeah, that's the kind of spontaneous thing that would happen, not for scores, but for Team GB athletes or for some event happening. Or just you, that's where you get the feel and the sensation of this is really something everybody is paying attention to, is behind and excited about. So very cool stuff, but. 
But it started Wednesday and it's over. And it's over. Wednesday yeah. to Sunday. Bitter. I I actually think that's good. And maybe people weren't paying attention because it was... Is this the timing of it? Was everything that was happening right now? Yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on, but I don't like the NBA playoffs anymore. Playoffs? Playoffs? I don't like the NBA playoffs because they go on forever. And they brought it back a little bit this last year from its incredibly long, drawn-out series. But if you remember the late 90s, you would turn on, during the first round, you would turn on TV and there would be four or five games every day. Maybe four games, whatever the matchups were. But there would be multiple games each day. Yep. And then when the finals happened, it was they would have one travel day and play the next if they were changing the city. They, they spread it out. Yeah, they just spread it out so far that by the end, it's like this is going on for two weeks. I just don't care anymore. Money. Well, I understand because you got to have Sports Center talking about stuff and you have to have promotional things and all this real time. I get why they're doing it. As a fan who saw it before, and maybe it won't matter to people and kids who are coming up now as fans because yeah. that'll just be the way it is. Yeah. As a fan who saw it before, for me, it just drags too much and I end up turning the TV off because I got other stuff to do. I, I don't want to pay attention. It's like series on television. When they they finish sweeps in April or whenever it is, mm-hmm. March or May, whatever that, that sweeps period is, yeah. and it'll be back in the next year. Like this year. It finished in May, and it'll be back in 2013. I'm like, wait a second. That's eight months from now. <laughs> I need to know what happens. Or nine months from now. And I know you have it in the can. They did that with Battlestar Galactica, where I knew they had it in the can, you love and they show. waited a year and a half to put it back on. Right now they're doing it with uh, the other one, I like Falling Skies. It's been off air forever. The Walking Dead, back on air. I need to catch up. It's been intense. First few weeks. I got one on the TiVo right now. Didn't get to watch it last night coming home from from Utah and Oregon. Let me take over the show so you can sit on the couch and watch it. Dude, it's been been intense. Can you tell I like post-apocalyptic visions of the world? I'm not flying to the East Coast right now. The Walking Dead is my favorite because literally it is just society is gone, and that's bad enough. Everything's broken down. Yeah. That's bad enough. Then you have the dead walking around that are just mindless, <laughs> going to eat you if they can catch you. And then you have the people who are left, which are the real problems. You've put a lot of thought into this. People just go back to being people. Survivor of the fittest. Survival of the fittest. Yeah, and if you're a kind, friendly PC person, sorry, in a post-apocalyptic setting... You're not making it. <laughs> you're the first one getting eaten. You're getting eaten, or you're getting shot. You are, as is as put in some commercial, some phone commercial. They say, "Hey, man, some people are des- destined to kill zombies. Some are destined to feed them." Do you <laughs> have an escape plan in case the zombies show up as well? Again, wheelie on the dirt bike. Zombies behind. GoPro on. You're seeing zombies chase me. Okay. No problem. Can't wait. <laughs> Cannot wait. We also have uh, Big West and Pac-12 Volleyball to talk about. Had a busy week doing volleyball matches. Was up at the Stanford match on Wednesday. And I can barely even remember who played. I might have to look for my book to remember who played. I just know Stanford won. Because it was that long ago to you. Well, for me, yeah. Because then I had to do Friday. I had Long Beach and Hawaii on Friday. That's right, Hawaii. You and Karch. Karch and I. Yes, that was... uh, you guys did a good job. Good. I watched uh, as much of the match as I could until my Tebow ran out. Because each set went a million points. 26-24 Long Beach, set number one. Mind you, a depleted Long Beach team. Depleted. 
Yeah, their setter is running around with a broken leg. Setter has a sprained ankle so badly sprained she can't even practice. She just shows up for 10 minutes to, to stand and set. Tara Renicki. Then there are two middles. One is no longer with the team due to personal reasons. The other one is out with, I believe, an ACL, but she's out, doesn't play. They're, one of the other hitters has shin splints. They're opposite. Bree Mackey has shin splint problems. She doesn't practice full-time. They have another player with hip problems, Caberjack, whose name killed me all night long because it's just not spelled like Caberjack. Yeah. And it was just killing me. I could not remember Cabrajack. <laughs> now I've got it, but the broadcast has passed. She has hip issues, but she managed to play. And the the starting setter from last year, out with injury. So setter, best middles, and their best outside, two weeks ago, broke her hand in practice. So this is not a team that is what they thought they were at the start of the season. Has anybody brought up the most obvious question as in what is the training staff doing at Long Beach? For the volleyball team? Like, how is it? Is it a coincidence that every single person on your team is hurt? You could ask the same question to Cal. Cal's in the same situation. Then you, we need to ask that question. Like, seriously, how are all of your players hurt? What are you doing that all of your players are getting hurt? That could be. It also could just be random chance. Because Long Beach, I mean, 28 years Brian Gimilero has been there. Yeah. Not necessarily a history of destroying players. Sometimes random chance. So Long Beach wins the first set 26-24 over... Undefeated in conference Hawaii. And like ranked number nine or something, right? Yeah. Aren't they in the top ten? Yeah. Then set number two has multiple chances, loses 34-32. So Hawaii takes set two, 34-32. Set number three, Long Beach actually has a swing for it. They transition right. and have a swing for it, but end up losing 26-24. That, that was, that when I saw that, I was like, that's it. Yeah. Although they fought valiantly. For sure. In set number four, and it was, I, I believe it was 20-all. It was tied. Like, like we were talking about on the broadcast, it was tied like 50 times or Did something. they set a record? Because it was literally tied every time. Like, no one could pull away. Ever. No. Hawaii had a six-point run in the very first part of set number one, which was immediately followed by like a seven-point run by Long Beach. Yeah. And neither team could get away. There were literally 50. I forget what the number is. I don't have the stats in front of me, but it's something close to 50. Ties through this match. That's ridiculous. Hawaii wins set number four, 25-22. And what do you do as a broadcaster? Because you have to vamp a little bit because the whole match is going a lot longer than you probably anticipated. It actually worked out fine. We were off air pretty quick afterwards. Gotcha. Because then they wanted an hour and a half or whatever, but it, it worked out fine. Yeah. yeah. I, did, I, I did actually say the score wrong at the end, which was a pain because I said 25-21. I missed the yeah. two on the end, but I don't think anybody cares. That's right. My uh, DVR didn't like it going long because I missed the end of you and Karch calling the match. That's right. Nobody saw it. And then I saw Utah-Oregon yesterday. Utah you put up a in... fight in set number three. Oh, yeah. I was in Salt Lake. Yeah. Utah put up a fight in set number three, but got pretty well dominated by Oregon, who can't block the ball. They're ranked 10th in the Pac-12 in blocking. Came out and stuffed four balls right off the first set. Nice. And how, stuffed the one that won the match. How about that? Yeah, exactly. They're a nice team. Let's we'll go back to Long Beach for one second. I want to talk about the girl who's their outside hitter who's like 5'8". Yeah, Denisa Johnson. Super athletic. She's gnarly. How about the play where she dug the ball over her head? We played it a couple of times. Over Off her, her hands. Quick jab, step back, close. Crush. Yeah, as a setter. Oh, great dig. I'm going to set you again for the back row. Hit yeah. that. Yeah. And she awesome. did. Yeah. Crushed it. Super athletic. She's fun to watch. Yep. 
need more athletes like that. Need more athletes like that who are six foot two. Then yeah. you'd really have something in the world of uh, volleyball. Long Beach needs athletes just period right now. Yeah. Hey, we should talk about women's basketball and not right this second. <laughs> <laughs> but the notion of lowering the rim height. Because volleyball keeps getting brought up in this conversation. Because Gino Oriama, longtime successful coach yep. at UConn, yep. he is going to advocate for the rim to be lowered. And all the feminists in the world are going to flip out. And the word volleyball keeps coming up on around the horn, on other yeah, things. Yeah, because the net's lower. Because the net's lower. Yeah. So we'll talk about that. We'll talk about the, some of the implications there. Some of the analogy to that was, well, in tennis, the net's not lower. I'm like, tennis? Really? But we'll get back to it. Sorry, I just had to. In golf, you play from different tees. True that. So, All right, bring in our correspondent who probably is standing next to his roof with massive amounts of water I blowing had, in his like, face. wind and rain effects, but I don't. Yeah, we so need thunder I... and lightning. How about that? Yeah. Yeah. Welcome in to the Net Live for the first time in a long time. We're well fed, and I think from the pictures I've seen on Facebook, you probably is Jay Hasek. Jay! What's happening, boys? Uh, Stormwatch 2012 out here, uh, getting ready for the big storm to come through and... Uh... No, it's not that bad, guys. It really isn't yet. Light drizzle going? A light drizzle right now, maybe a little wind. Uh, you know, to be honest with you, I, I, we're so far inland, and they do show that the storm is going to come directly over the top of us as of tomorrow afternoon and evening. But the, really, the, the people that are going to get hit the hardest are the people on this eastern seaboard, the people in, uh, in New Jersey on the shore, the people in Ocean City, Maryland, the people in New York. They're going to get hammered. And thoughts and prayers go out to those guys. All of our friends and family out there, take care and, uh, and, and be safe out there. Please cover up. So how are you guys doing? I haven't talked to you forever. So wait a minute. So the Jersey Shore, so Snooky and Mike D are going to get wiped away. <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, I, I'm not going to say anything evil, but I don't think the world will miss Snooky too much, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> now, there's been a massive amount. I'm trying to Google where Jay's at right now, and this is a popular topic lately. When you type in problem. Happy Valley? Is, is... How about if I type in Penn State University to the new Map, Apple Maps program, or Mapple Apps, yes. whatever you want to call it? Mapple Apps? cannot find Penn State University. Come on, put Penn State University Park. Fun. Come on. And just put State College Pennsylvania. Look them up. No results found. So what? You're saying the college you're isn't right. there is what you're saying. Hold on. Hold on. I, I, I call BS on that. I'm going to Google it right now just because I want to see how foolish you look. Uh, let's see here. <laughs> All right. State College PA. Really? Because it came up on my Google Maps real quick. Google Maps, dude. Ma Apple. What? Are you, are you talking on your cell phone, your iPhone 5? Pat, if you have iOS 6. Here we are. We're in tech. Here. This is Tech guys, Talk yeah. here on the Net Live. <laughs> tech Geeks United States. Um, all right. Let me go to mine on my phone here. Hey, uh, Jeremy, how's the, uh, the radio launch going, man? The tunes you played were sweet. On the on what? On the uh, the last uh, the last link you gave me of the uh, of the album release. Oh, oh, oh. the su the Suicide Doors EP is that what you're referring yeah, to? Yeah, it's good stuff. It's good, good stuff, man. Pretty far inland. You have friends that are out on the coast or what? Well, we have coaching friends that are out on the coach, uh, coast. Heck yeah. yeah. We've got uh, a couple people I can think of. 
Jenny Hernison's out there in Baltimore. We got uh, Ryan out at Maryland. We've got a uh, whole bunch of guys in the New Jersey area for uh, Princeton. We got Sam, and we got uh, Carl France and Jose at NYU. I mean, we got lots of people out there. So uh, thoughts and, and and hopes you guys are safe out there for sure. Are we checking in with you just to hear about soup and uh, biscotti? <laughs> <laughs> I am telling you right now. Let me let me just paint a picture for you. So I've I've told people over the over the various course of the years. My wife is a chef, and obviously people that know me on Facebook have seen pictures of all the stuff that she makes me. Now last year we went to BYU for a couple of matches, and there is a restaurant on the way out to Provo called and correct me if I'm wrong, Zupas. Is that know. what it was called? All right, Zupas, I believe. And believe me, if it's not called Zupas, somebody put it on the chat board. Anyways, Zupas is kind of like a, a Panera-type place. They've got healthy food, healthy salads, and soups in the wine yards. Uh, feel free, by the way, Zupas, to throw me some coupons next time you're, uh, you think about me. But um, they have this mushroom bisque that is to die for. It is unbelievably good. So I come home after the trip, and I tell my wife about this soup. I said, hey, this is what it tasted like. And I'm not joking, guys. That night, I had it in front of me. It was unreal. And so this picture in there you saw, that's what it is. It's the mushroom bisque that my wife makes. And it is slamming, and it's cold and windy outside, and it's a perfect time for that stuff. I had at least three or four bowls of it. <laughs> I do love <laughs> when it dips below 60 out here, and I just feel like... Yeah. <laughs> Dips below sixty. I bet people still wear Uggs and uh, and beanies when it's eighty five outside. Eighty five. We're cranking up the fireplace. We're. we're... <laughs> oh, that's good stuff. I miss I miss being on the show with you guys. It's uh it's been one heck of a year so far. You're cutting out on me. What'd you say? I said we know school has started for you guys out there at Penn State at mm-hmm. program preseason. Yep. Yep. Yeah, uh, you know, we hosted an international tournament this year, uh, which was a first for Penn State. I put it together with uh, our administration and uh, had a team from Russia, uh, a team from Canada, and Ohio State come in for the weekend, and it was a lot of fun. We ended up winning the thing, which was nice. And uh, I believe that team from Russia is playing at UOP tonight. Uh, They came out, played us and and the other teams here, and then they went to Chicago, and they played Loyola and Lewis, and then they went to California, and they played Pep, and they played Cal Baptist, and now they're playing UOP, and then they're on the way home. So Athletes in Action did a good thing for us, brought that team out. It was real nice. That's very cool. So how how do your kids feel about getting an opponent like that from another country? Is that You know, there's been there's a couple of guys in our team that played on the junior national team and youth national team and have played international competition. Uh, and for the ones that haven't, yeah, it's a little different. I mean, the the style of play is a little different. Uh, you know, seeing uh, guys that obviously are, are speaking in different languages across the net from you when you're playing and not being able to understand another thing. You know, the old international screen rule you know comes into effect where a whole team will shift over to one side of the court. That's a little daunting for some people, but yeah, it's, it was a good experience. Um, and I think next year we're, we're definitely going to do it again next year. But I think we're going to expand it to six teams next year. And uh, yeah, you know, just another another thing we're trying to do here to expand men's volleyball and and, and give pe- more people a chance to see us. Did you guys hear about how the Illinois uh, um, match went with uh, Lewis and Loyola? Anybody call in on that? No, no. Was it ever publicized? Did anybody talk about it? I have. Is this a men's match where Illinois has a team? 
University of Illinois, uh, Hambly hosted both Lewis and Loyola, and they went out there and played a match together in the preseason there. And I think there were some some rumblings that uh, the AD was somewhere in the crowd. Now I'm not sure if that's true, so anybody who was there should be calling in or should be you know writing on the chat board. But we should get some more uh, some more people calling in these things ahead of time so we can get some press for this stuff because that's cool. That's a good thing. I want to play for the Illini. I want to suit up in the orange and blue. You're in Champaign, Illinois, man. That's the place to be, huh? Yeah, I mean, you grew up as a kid around there. You just know the Illini. I mean, you always see the eye on the helmets, and that would be fun. I'd, I'd like to be a part of that. It gets back to our discussion, which we'll have, again, I'm sure, at some time about why Nebraska and such Texas don't have men's programs. Oh, oh, I, I, you watched, did you watch the match yesterday between us and them, the, the women's teams? I did not. I was doing a match yesterday. I did Utah-Oregon yesterday. Nice. Nice. Who won that match, by the way? Oregon. 3-0. Oregon. Ah, it's a good match for them. Uh, the Nebraska Fieldhouse was jam-packed with people. And from what I hear, only about maybe not even a quarter of the people in there were students. It was just all the surrounding community people. And they're building a bigger Fieldhouse, I hear, that's going to have even more people in it. So uh, I, I'm telling you, Nebraska is foolish not to have a men's team out there. And I know you asked John Cook, and I'll, I'll challenge it. I'm, I'll challenge him again. John, Title Line is not the reason why, my friend. You can be so much better, and, and I mean that with all due respect. Obviously, you're a good team, but it could be so much better if you had a men's team out there. Imagine how good they'd be in, in, in a short amount of time. I, ho- I sure hope that he can find a way to get that started. That'd be a good thing. And Hambly, if you're part of the deal at Illinois, congratulations, man. You're the first one that's stepping out and trying to make something happen. I sure hope that happens, too. Hambly, tired of playing on the women's team, so he has to try and get a men's program. <laughs> So what's it like out there right now? 85 and sunny? Uh, kind of a little chill in the air today. Yeah, it's only going to be about 73. Uh, I hate you guys. <laughs> I hate the weather. I wouldn't mind some seasons. Yeah, you need seasons out there. At least at least something different besides, you know, five degrees different at 72. All right, Jay. Hang in All right, there. guys. Hey, don't let that drizzle get you. I will definitely try not to. School just got closed, so I guess I better start driving home here pretty soon. All right, guys. Have a good one. We'll talk to you soon. And uh, take care. See ya. Stormwatch. Are you disappointed that he wasn't standing underneath the gutter just getting drenched? Yeah, there should have been some sort of problem. Water on his head. I forgot to ask him how his plan to slowly poison Mark Pavlik with arsenic (laughs) over time so they can't find it in his tissue and then take over the Penn State program. I wonder how that was going. I'll have to ask him next time. That's funny. Hey, uh, we did it. We killed a half hour here on the program. The, the A block. Sweet. Hey, we're going to take a little bit of a break here on the program. Still to come, we'll talk about Thailand when we get back, talk about the end of the beach season. We have the Thailand event as well as the USAV event that happened this last week. And then I want to talk about the role of music in sports because we have you here. Oh, yeah. Right on. The Net Live.
The best college volleyball in the country is coming to Louisville, and you'll want to be there up close to take in all the action. Cheer for every point. Witness every rally. Experience it live at the 2012 NCAA Division I Women's Volleyball Championship, December 13th and 15th at KFC Young Center in Louisville, Kentucky. Hosted by the University of Louisville and the Louisville Sports Commission. All session tickets start at $62. Visit NCAA.com slash volleyball to make a date with champions. Can I say something about the Thriller song? Yeah, the fact that I knew it. First well, that's of all. one. I mean, yeah. If I knew you, it right from the beginning. If you didn't know that song, I would have packed up and left. Okay. But uh, two things. Glad one, now that I when I play that song, I don't normally play the beginning of it. I play the end when the guy is talking. Like, I don't play Michael's part anymore. The guy? You know who I'm talking about. Yeah, Vincent. Yeah. Yeah. The guy. The guy. Yeah, I don't okay. need to say anymore. You know who I'm talking about. Yeah. So am I sets. I'm trying to think of Vincent's last name, though. Van Gogh? I don't know. It's not Van Gogh. <laughs> um, so I play that in my sets. Price. Vincent, Vincent Price. Price. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, the chat board chiming in? Yes. Thank you. I just happened to look over. It wasn't a faux pas. We were just going to have a 30-minute break to get that in. However. Okay. Continue with your story. My second part of the story was that Thriller album was the first album I ever tried to literally scratch the record on my mom's record player. Yeah. And at that time, my mom's record player wasn't designed to scratch the record back and forth. So not only did I destroy the record, but oh, I'm pretty sure I destroyed the record player. No. Yeah. And I didn't tell her. I just put Thriller back in its sleeve because I was home alone. Oh. Closed it and pretended like I had nothing to do with it. Oh, no. <laughs> Awful. Yeah. Yeah, I think Thriller I, – I... I'm pretty sure it was my first album ever. If it wasn't first, it was second. It was right there with Sticks, Mr. Roboto. Mr. Roboto. Don't worry, Gato, Mr. <laughs> and then followed by Cold War on that album. But those are my, that was the go-to. I had those two albums when I was a kid. That was awesome. Hey, speaking of Halloween, finish this sentence. Elvira. Can't. What's the rest of her moniker? Don't Elvira. Know. Don't know. Mistress of the Dark? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sorry. Just read an interesting article about I'm Elvira. As, I'm not as old as you, Kevin. And how she was one of the very first to commercialize Halloween in a big way. And she's people kind of laugh at her. And she's really never not endorsed a product she's been asked to or licensed a product. And she's only made like a million dollars a year for the last 23 years. More than a million. Good for her. But she was one of the first ones, one of the pioneers of making Halloween what it is today. It is big business. Big business. And good today. for her. Big business. I'm into it. How about Thailand? Last event of the year, FIVB event, always just kind of off the calendar. You, you kind of forget that it's even happening because it happens at the end of October when everything else ended in, what, early September? This year, yeah. For the rest of the events, and that's yep. kind of usual. So a chance for some teams to continue playing if you are Kessie and Ross, or some teams to try something new if you're Fender and Branna. And it's just a women's event. Right, and other yep. teams don't show up. Like Not all the teams are there in Correct. many cases. But Kessie and Ross come home with a gold. They're 10th in international play. 11 silver and 9 bronze. That's 30 medals and 71 events. What, 45% or so? Say, that's a good percentage. Podium finishes Yeah. for Kessie and Ross. So another successful event. Nice way to end 2012 with another payday and a nice trip to Thailand. Don't be afraid to stay for a few days and get some cheap massages. For Fendrick and Branna, how about this partnership? Lauren Fendrick and Nicole Branna getting together, finishing fourth, 
losing to Brazilians in these semis, or pardon me, in the um, fourth place. In the silver, in the gold medal the match. Br- the bronze medal match. Did I say gold? <laughs> yeah. My bad. In the bronze medal match. But how about two bigs playing together? Lauren Fendrick, rising star, Nicole Brana, most... Uh, she was the MVP in 2009. Most... Uh, I'm trying to come up with the right words here for what has happened to Nicole. Most unfortunate? Victim of circumstance, Nicole Brana? Things have not worked in her favor, that's for sure. Through no fault of her own, she has been excellent as a player. She's done nothing but play really high-level volleyball. Right. She has done nothing wrong. And she has been sent into the hinterland, into the wilderness. She is like the Yeti in the stop-motion animation little... Uh, stop motion animation, really? Stop motion animation. Okay. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. You know the one from the 40s. I do. Late 40s, early 50s. She is the abominable snowwoman. Misunderstood, left out in the cold all by herself, in a cave, perhaps discovered by Lauren Fender. I'd like to hear more about this. Like, did Lauren block the whole time? Yeah, I, I would I would think Lauren blocked the whole time. I would think Nicole played defense. Cause Nicole can play defense. Well, for sure. I think she played defense behind EY, or they kind of they split, split a right? little bit, but yeah, she definitely played. And when her and Carrie, she played defense. So it would be it interesting. Was... I like it. Brana reminds me of Patterson when it comes to having a big play defense and the side-out possibilities or transition opportunities that presents. So if Brana can play good defense, you know she can be a threat at the net. Same thing with Patterson. If he can play good defense, you know he can be gnarly at the net. Yeah, the thing that I've noticed that some of these bigs, uh, and I noticed it with Casey and then Nicole, and it's all, and maybe it's getting used to new partnerships or not reading the ball well, but they don't run down the line shot. And when I say don't run down the line shot, I mean like they're not making much of a move to even go get it. Huh. I've just noticed that with the bigs that are trying to play defense. And I don't know, again, like are they so focused on where do I need to be on defense? Because playing full-time defense is probably definitely a little new to them. Yeah. Even when you have a 7-3 blocker, I would think I would be able to run down the line shots. Right. You know what I'm saying? Um, but that's one thing I've noticed. And maybe... It's your transition swinging. I'm correct. Yeah. So, okay. my transition swinging, that's, my defense is great. Yeah, I can see that. I don't like what you're insinuating right now. <laughs> How about that, Kevin? Okay. But so I would like to see, I think you're going to see more of the big bigs on the women's side, for sure. Okay. Um, you know, I think that's why EY went after Nicole in the first place, because Holly just couldn't put the ball away against Carrie and Misty. Just couldn't do it. Holly, all of 5'8". And one of the Maybe. best players ever on the women's side. Right. Couldn't put the ball away against Carrie and Misty. A lot of players can't put the ball away against Gary Misty. Very, very true. That's the problem. Very, very true. That's the problem. That's why they have three gold medals and are undefeated in Olympic play. I was watching. Oh, what was that? Ridiculous. I, I don't know what I was watching, but I was talking about. Oh, it was on. I was online. Like USA, the Olympics did. You know, a little recap of their three gold medals. I'd forgot that they were. They had like a hundred and like some odd matches undefeated without losing a set. Right, like going into the second Olympics, hundred nine or whatever the number, which is was. ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, that 
totally ridiculous. And if we, if volleyball was a bigger sport, that would be first of all, they should be. Kerry Mister should be talked about as one of the greatest teams, sports teams ever. And I'm talking about like with the Lakers, with the Bulls, with the '85 Bears. Like yeah. they need to be put in those categories because what they did is ridiculous, and I don't think I'll see that again in our lifetime. Undefeated three Olympics, three gold medals in a row. Well, it depends on how long your lifetime is, first of all, because just the sheer three Olympics, I mean, that's 12 years. A buddy of mine says I'm going to live to 135, and I said that's not going to happen. No. Well, I will off myself well before that. I'll tell you that right now. If I look as good as I look right now at 135, cool, I'm in. You're not going to look that good at 135. First of all, the mo- you might still have the mohawk, but it might only be half of it because you're going to be bald on top. But, yeah, it's, I don't know. I sometimes look at people who are like 90 and go, ah, oh, God, I yeah, don't look yeah. like that. But seriously, I don't. I honestly don't. Three Olympics in a row? <laughs> Their the record's simply, simply unreal. Yeah. Uh, they deserve every bit of attention they get. For sure. And I honestly think like it's one of those things that you don't realize how good you have it until it's gone. I I do think, regardless whether Kerry plays in the next Olympics or not, when women's beach volleyball isn't as dominant as it was when them playing, Kerry Misty playing, we'll be like, oh, remember the days when we just crushed everybody? Well, it's like looking back at Karch and Kent and the dominance that they had mm-hmm. through the early 90s. You never thought you'd see that again. And then Kerry and Misty did it. So who's next? Who's the next team to dominate? Maybe it won't be 100 in a row, but, I mean, 30 or 40 in a row is something special. There just needs to be domestic tours. Well, there will be. The question is, will you be able to play in those domestic tours, or will you have to get your hours cleared from your boss at Walmart so you can go and play? <laughs> that's, that's the real question. For, for four or five players on each side, we know that they can afford it, but the rest, that's the real question. Yeah. Music and sports. Jeremy, something you know a little bit about. Just a little bit. I was thinking about this. Thinking about some of the best warm-ups I've had, different places, Mm -hmm. and how the music plays into that Mm -hmm. process. How? What percentage better do you think a warm-up can be with good music? Ten to twenty. That's it. Oh, I would thought you'd go higher than that. I I mean, if at the pro level, you shouldn't need music to get going. But let's say you played a lot of matches in a row. You're playing back-to-back games. You get in there, your body's feeling a little bit sore. You get on the court, you're warming up. You start bobbing your head a little bit. You're like, okay, I'm starting to loosen up. I feel good because music can have that effect. I wrote an article for Volleyball Magazine that I just sent them today talking about music and how it can affect your mood. You yeah. know, I mean, like anything can make you sad. It can make you happy can make you angry, could get you fired up to play your match when you weren't fired up before you got there. Could be scared if I'm listening to Vincent Price. Very true. 10 20, I, that's, I like that, 10 20%. Yeah, I, I, mean, I would notice that. Like if, I, if I was 10% better in a warm-up, I would notice that. Yeah, I mean, I would love to take more credit. But, <laughs> but I do, I have 10 to 20% for sure. How about playing it in-game? Because in the NBA and the Clippers, yeah. they have it going sometimes, right? To get the crowd into the defense? Yeah, defense prompts. I um, 
What are, what's some of the terminology we're getting in a, in a basketball game? Okay, so defense prompts. You're playing prompts, offensive prompts. and defensive prompts. Because you want the crowd to do something in particular. Yes, I'm telling the crowd to do something. Well, not telling them. You're making them. You're forcing them through through uh, Pavlovian conditioning. Correct. Which that I, if I play the tune, yeah. they're supposed to shout defense. Yeah, which I have a hard time with. Sometimes I feel like if I'm telling you to do something that you should already be doing, I feel weird about it. Pavlovian people, look it up. Yeah. Um, when I first started with AVP in 2004, I think, three or four, um, that was when they wanted to go more FIVB style, and they wanted to play music all the time. Now, FIVB and AVP were different where during play, FIVB wouldn't play music, but as soon as the ball hit the ground, bam, song's going. Yeah. With AVP, I was literally playing music from the time I got there at 8 in the morning till 6, 6.30 when I left. Like, I would dip it down during play and then bring the volume up. And the speakers, I wouldn't have face the court. And I, you know, after a couple of seasons, I got to know the players a little bit better. I would start talking to them and asking them if they could really hear the music yeah. during the matches. And most of them said no. They, they, you know, I think like a lot of high-level athletes, they basically tune everything out. Yeah. Unless the speakers are just so loud and just crushing the court. Um. But I was always a little curious about that. Like, is it bothering them? What if I'm playing a song that they don't like? Who is directing you to do that? It's pr- pretty much been me. Oh, you just decided? Pretty much. Always, when I started with AVP, they're like, we just want to have music all the time. Keep the energy going. So my job was just to make sure that the energy is up there and going. Now, I would obviously talk to some of the players and ask them what they liked, especially ones that were on court all the time. Mm-hmm. If you're a qualifier and you're playing Carrie and Misty, on a Friday or Saturday morning, and you come up to me and request a song, it ain't gonna happen because you're never gonna be on the court ever again. And you don't actually that's don't, why they want it. You actually don't even know who I am. No, you have to. It's a no. Maybe they've seen a sketch of you somewhere on the internet. <laughs> My bohawk. So interesting. You just decided, and, and nobody said anything when you were playing it through points. Canyon Seaman said something to me one time because it was loud. He was complaining that it was too loud, which okay. was fine. So I turned it down. Um, but no one has ever, you know, the first couple of seasons it was different because none of the players were really used to music going all the time. Um, yeah. but I think when I got there, I set the speakers up differently than what they'd ever had before. Cause I had some of the APP staff being like, Oh, I can't hear it. I'm like, yeah, you can't hear it. Cause all the speakers are facing the stands. They're not facing the court, Yeah, which is how it should be. It's how it ought to be. Yeah. yeah you don't like it, bomb the court no. with music. At Staples Center, the way the speaker system is set up, none of the speakers are, are hitting the court. So it may be loud in the stands. You're like, oh, my God, it's so loud. But if you literally are standing on the court, you're going to hear it 100% differently than you are if you're sitting in the stands. So you're not distracting the players as much. It's just um, – I mean, I think now at the pro level, it's 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 entertainment. So you have to add to the entertainment. Not every game is exciting. So let's do some other stuff. That's why you have cheerleaders out there. That's why yeah. you have dance teams. That's why you have halftime entertainment because it's inter- the pro level is entertainment. I think it was the Clippers when I was there. The kid hit the half court shot or three quarter court yeah. shot. Yeah. Oh yeah. And won whatever tuition or ten thousand bucks. I think we were giving away a car. Yeah. It was something unbelievable. Yeah. And he and he hit the shot. The place went bonkers. Loses their minds. That yeah. was uh, Clippers Oklahoma City last year. Oh yeah. Okay. See. Yeah. That was unbelievable. We were sitting one row below me. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you know, not bad actually. No. See, even see, up there. Yeah. I, we had a good time. My son's sitting on the edge of his seat, but one of the biggest. The biggest cheer of the night, uh, well, maybe not the biggest because it got close at the end, but was for that car, which was fantastic. 
you bring up a, a good point about the music and the tone and, and the way it can it can make people respond uh, inside. What what do you think the effect is for the crowd? How are you enhancing their experience? Are they are they walking away going, man, I really love the music? Or is it something that they maybe don't even realize contributes to their enjoyment of the event? I think some people don't necessarily realize that. I have met people that have been season ticket holders to the Clippers for years that somehow I know through mutual friends. They're like, oh my God, I didn't know that you did the music. Like I've always enjoyed it, especially now in L.A. because there's so many teams that play at Staples Center. You have the Lakers, you have the Los Angeles, the Hockey Kings, you have the Clippers, um, mm-hmm. and there's different DJs for each one. And like a lot of people go to all of them. Um, and, you know, they're like, oh, what you guys do is a little bit different than what I hear at the other games. So I think some people realize it. Other people just, they probably don't pay much attention to it, to be honest with you. And by that, I mean, like, they're not consciously going, oh, this is a great song. Or, oh, this made me have a much better night this evening. What about post-game? Because there's always the na-na-na-na, goodbye, familiar romance, or we are the champions. Yes. I try not to do the cheesy stuff, me personally. I'm so tired of Queen, we are the champions, when... Something gets one. If I could not play Celebration by Cool and the Gang ever <laughs> for the rest of my life, I would be a happy man. That's the one you have to play. That's the uh, – I can't – I just can't take it anymore. Come um, on. Yeah. I mean, yes, it's a great song, but I've had to – I can't even – that's the, probably the one song I've played the most, and it drives me crazy. But for the Clippers, I, I don't play Celebration when they win. So it's like the police. I remember when I was a kid and every breath you take had come out? Yes. They played yeah. the vinyl off that one. Like, literally off. I, of course. I hated that song as a kid because it was on so much. And then a few years later, I came back and heard it, and I was like, oh, that's a good song. I actually like that song. really like The Police. My father loved The Police. So it, it's just making you vilify certain songs in your mind? In my mind, yes. Um, What's the go-to right now? If you had to play a post-game celebratory song, what would you throw on? Well, right now, because I don't think stereotypically you could play Glad You Came by The Wanted. It's very uh, celebratory. I don't even know who that is. Oh, Kevin, you're the worst. But what I do play, My role. What I do play right now for the Clippers when they win, um, I did an edit of Good Feeling by, uh, you would know as yeah. Flo Rider, but actually the original is by a guy named Avicii. So I just used the Good Feeling hook, and then I have the beat because the announcer is still talking in the game, so it kind of goes in between. Because uh. it's kind of happy, you know, yeah, we won, but it's not the typical... Tonight's going to be Good Night Black Eyed Peas or Celebration by Cool and the Gang or We Are the Champions because we're not the champions. Um, not yet. Who's communicating with you during this? Like if you're messing something up or if which they're wanting something special. Yeah. All right. So if they're wanting something special. Yes. Uh, there's a game day director. So Game day director. Yes. So oh, this just, sounds like an interesting position. So just like you, you have somebody, you're on a headset, you're talking to the truck. and I have a producer, you, right? Yeah. So we have the same thing. Game Day Director is your producer. Yes, correct. And uh, for the Clippers, she is in charge of me, in charge of the people who are telling the dancers when to go on the court. Oh, so she's the in-stadium producer, effectively. Yes, basically. Because what we're doing, we're putting on an event. So she's the event coordinator is how you want to bury it down. Um, You know, she writes up the script. So I know when I go into Staples Center, like, at the first time out in the first quarter, here's what we're doing. Second time out, here's what we're doing. Here's what we're doing at halftime. Like, I know all that stuff is written out, so I have stuff prepared when that's going to happen. So it's not like when the cheerleaders or the dance teams come out on the court to dance, it's not just like random. Like, we know that. Well, obviously, they must have a, 
a set. Correct. They come up and hand you a mixtape for, and you yes, put the mixtape in your exactly, machine. It's exactly <laughs> what they do. They hand me their mixtape. This one says Dance Routine 1. It's all scribbled. Yeah. yeah. But with the AVP, it was kind of, it was a little bit more free-flowing. When I got there, like I said, there was a lot of new staff, and they were trying new things. So I kind of helped mold how they do center court stuff now. Okay. And some of that's carried over. Correct. I just ran into Jason Hodell yesterday. Nice. To bring up a name from the past. Where, I actually worked with Mike Dodd yesterday. Where was Hodell? He showed up at the Utah match because he lives in Park City now. Interesting. Actually works for a technology company out of Santa Monica, spends Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday here in L.A., works from home Thursday, Friday, lives with his wife and two sons in Park City, right near Canyons, for those that have been there. Very interesting. Yeah. Loves it. Owns a Jeep because he has to. You know, you live there, you're, you're required to buy a Jeep by the state of Utah. From what I, Hodel's a good guy, so I'm, I hope that uh, all the negative things with the AVP that went down didn't uh, negatively affect his reputation. I felt like he was part of the solution, not part of the problem in the whole thing. He just brought in the wrong guy in, in uh, Nick. You had to bring in somebody. No, no, I'm not blaming him. I'm just saying, if like. Your choice is the devil or nobody, you're choosing the devil. I'm with you. The AVP needed or, money. He or found an imp. As this case may be here. The AVP, Devil too large the AVP, for his stature. Imp more like it. AVP needed money. Nick Lewin was willing to put money in. Hodel right. brought him in. And then now he put you guys on hold. Yeah. Imp. Little horns. <laughs> kind of annoying jumping around. Yeah. I will say this, though. With music, playing it all day long, and I have to explain this to some of the athletes sometime, Like, it's not necessarily there to please the athlete. It's there to please the people who are in the stands. Yeah, it's not part of the athlete experience. No. I like the warm when when people would play good warm up music. I enjoy that. There's certain songs you get fired up of for. Course. You know, back in the day I'm trying to think of Usher song back in the day, the one that really set him off. And that came out, that was a good song. It got horribly overplayed. You mean yeah? Yeah. <laughs> With Little John? That's the one. When that first came out, I was like, okay, oh, I can warm up to this. You could not. I had to play that song multiple times a night in a club. Yeah. Yeah. Great song. Yep. So, you know, stuff like that that just kind of got me going, and I was really just jazzed to be there. Of course. Look, the warm-ups are for the players. I'll play the warm-up music for the players, but once the but match. But not, not for the qualifiers. No, qualifiers. Not, not for the qualifiers on center court. You no. Know, Any other player. And especially yeah. when a qualifier comes <laughs> up to an attitude like, oh, you know, can you play? I'm like, really? Do you actually know who I am? Because I don't know who you are. And if I don't know who you are, then you need to show a little bit more respect. <laughs> the power politics of the beach I'm just extend saying. all the way to the DJ booth. Yeah. They don't stop at Marine Street on a Wednesday when nope. you're trying to get a game in the middle of the afternoon. Nope. Qualifiers probably saying I have next set. I mean, just come on. Really, guy? Hey, I got my first set coming up here uh, in center court. Yeah. You've never seen me before. You don't know me. Respect the Fohawk. Yeah. Oh, Mohawk. Yeah. Yep. For Mohawk. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you find yourself so amusing. <laughs> to do something here on a Monday. I the chat board have anything interesting to say. They can call in through three four seven six seven seven fifteen twenty five if you have a topic that we're not discussing that you wish we would. Volleyball. <laughs> <laughs> Move on to basketball. Sweet. Uh, let's talk about this lowering of the rim because I keep hearing and Kevin Blackstone was killing me. I want. I almost wrote him an email. He's on. Uh, not part of the interruption. Around the, the horn. Around the horn. Yeah. And. 
he brought up volleyball and oh, it's not a good analogy. He said a couple of things about volleyball. I'm just like, that's not even right. What was it, what was he saying? How were they comparing it? Like, yes, the net is lower. I get it. He was saying that that volleyball is just it's completely different. It's completely different. Uh, the net being lower, it, it's it doesn't affect the game or something like that. Like, maybe it doesn't affect the game. You ever stepped on a volleyball court, Blackstone? Well, and everything you everything rules wise affects the game. Yeah, the, the lowering of the net. If you've ever tried to receive serve on a women's net, it's a little different. It's way harder. It comes over a lot faster. It's not jump serves either. Jump serves would be about the same. It's the float serves. Good lord, they're hard in the women's game. Can't pass and the angles are all wrong. Thing is just lasering at you, but it's in. It's a mess. It's amazing what a difference that makes. But the idea that lowering the rim is going to somehow devalue the athletes, which is basically the insinuation or outright argument from a lot of these folks who just want to dismiss it outright and not even talk about it. You're devaluing the athletes and calling them inferior. (laughs) Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Yes, I'm calling you inferior. And I don't like to use that word because it's inflammatory, and that's what they kept saying on the TV. Yeah. But yes, I'm calling you inferior. How many women in this country can jump 40-plus inches? I'll bet there's a couple. Five, ten, I don't know. I'll give you 100. You could dig up 100 out of 300 million that can jump 40 inches, maybe. How many men can jump 40 inches? It's probably ten or 15,000. That's just the plain fact of the matter. And I'm sorry, Gloria Steinem, <laughs> and your your view of, oh, we should be equals. Well, we're not. Look, I can outrun you, outbench press you, outjump you. We could take a mediocre college basketball team, mediocre to terrible college basketball team, and put them up against the WNBA champions, and the WNBA champions do not stand a chance. They cannot compete. Period. It's just because we're built differently. It's nothing anybody's done. It's not that the women are inferior. Not they're not smarter. Not made for sports. Too delicate to, for athletics. All that other <laughs> crap from the seventies. You can curse. We do it on yeah. that show, apparently. No, it's not all that stuff. It's just the fact of the matter. Even with broke ass knees, I can outjump everyone on the national team. Well, maybe not everybody. Destiny Hooker can outjump you. She can. So. That's just the fact of the matter. I think what Gino was, it's a, in a inter, again, it's an entertainment thing. Have I you don't watch the WNBA game. That's what I'm saying. I don't watch women's basketball. I've watched one recently. No, it's awful. For 20 minutes. It's awful. They made about three baskets. And I saw, no kidding, I've never seen a professional sport where they've made the equivalent play to throwing the ball up into the bottom of the rim twice. In the 20 minutes I watched. Okay, throwing the ball into the bottom of the rim on a layup, that's basically like hitting a ball with your tennis racket behind you. <laughs> okay, or swinging and missing at a set. I have never I seen I di- that. I disagree with that a little bit, but... I have never seen that. Any professional level. Two shots. I mean, forget all the shots they missed. They're running up and down the floor. People yeah. are stealing the ball because they can't handle it. People are just making the worst shots you've ever seen. Air balls. And then you're throwing it up off the bottom of the rim. And these are two high-level WNBA teams. They're professionals. Professionals. That's what they yeah. do for a living. Yeah. And it looks that bad. Lower the rim. I think it will help. Look, they 
here's I don't watch women's basketball because it's not as exciting as men's basketball. I can watch women's soccer. I can watch women's volleyball. I women's can tennis. I can even watch good. women's tennis. I can watch softball. But yeah. basketball is boring, and it's it's a shame because it is because the men are doing things that I look at them like my body cannot do what that guy just did. LeBron James is dunking while his head is above the rim. Yeah, above the he's going up while he's still dunking the ball. I understand. I've been there. You're trying to tell me that you dunked while you were still going up? Yes. Anyways, I don't buy that for one second. I could turn in the blocks and look over the rim. No problem. How tall are you? 6'6". Six, six. Okay. No problem, Jeremy. I used to be able to dunk a volleyball. Turn in the blocks, two hands, eye level on the rim. One foot, two foot? Two feet. Okay. Just make a drop step, turn, jump, dunk. Do we have anybody that can uh, verify this? Uh, yeah. Okay. They'll be calling in for College Volleyball Weekly. Okay. I Probably will. won't give me credit, though. That's true. And but, and by the way, those days are long past. <laughs> oh, yeah, unfortunately, <laughs> those days are long past. I think the thing that bothered me was when Gino said the women aren't, it'll help their shot because they're not that good at shooting. All you hear about all the time is how much more fundamentally sound the women are. And they are. Like, if you watch women's basketball, they are more fundamentally sound. You know why? Because they can't jump 40 inches and dunk on your head. Right. There's no way, There's nothing else to fall back on. Yeah, for sure. Right. Like, I get it. Um, and as an entertainment side, yes, that it's, it's a money grab. They would, if you do that, it would be to make more money to make it more entertaining. Um, one of my DJs did some of the Sparks games this year, um, the women's pro team in Los Angeles. Yeah. And the Staples Center holds almost 20,000 people. Take a stab at how many people were at. And this is a playoff game. Take a stab. How many people do you think were there? Staples Center holds 20. Yep. 75. Nope. Not even. Nope. Four. Like 35 to five in the playoffs. Well, and that's been my point before, is that it's not a business. It's a political entity for the NBA. Well, the, NBA, the WNBA doesn't make money. The NBA supports it. Right, it does, and it never will make money. But People in, don't watch. And Gino's argument, too, about lowering the rim, he's like, the women's basketball game hasn't evolved in forever. Yeah, I think you're. I think the product gets better. I think if you can let go of some of the the, I don't know, potential negatives. Yeah. Or what it what it says about the athlete, it only says that in your mind. It's just changing the rim height. I mean, it only says that in your mind. Let me ask you this question. All of the guys out there that have certain stereotypes about women, do they actually want to see women being that aggressive and dunking on each other? The WNBA women are aggressive anyway. I'm with you. Big, tree trunk. But you know what I'm saying, though? Like Aggressive yeah. females. That's why they're fighting and stuff, too. I mean... Because that's what it takes. I mean, let's be honest. The driving force in sports is testosterone. For sure. Those women that have more testosterone are bigger, stronger, faster. It's obvious when you watch athletics, women's athletics, you see the one girl that moves like a guy. And you know what I mean. Moves like a guy. Or built like a guy. Elena Bergsma for the Oregon Ducks. Wonderful player. Great outside hitter. Top level outside hitter. Could have national team potential. Moves like a girl. She moves like a girl. There's a lot of vertical motion to her horizontal momentum. Gotcha. She just moves like a girl, and that's fine. And you, it, She's a girl. What do, you, what do you want her to move like, a guy? 
I mean, guys, guys, hips and legs and shoulders and everything is is put together differently than most women. You see some women, like say a Kim Willoughby, to bring it back to volleyball, mm-hmm. she moves like a guy. 100% moves like a guy. If you saw a silhouette of her hitting, sans ponytail, if you saw a silhouette of her hitting, you would think it was a guy. You wouldn't be able to tell that that was a girl hitting. Where if I watch a silhouette of Elena Bergsma, sans ponytail, hitting, I could tell you it's a girl. Gotcha. Because they just move differently. And everyone knows, if you watch any amount of women's athletics, you can see those women that move with more fluidity. Would you want the women's net raised in volleyball? Or are you okay with what it is? No, I think it's good. I, yeah. I think women play volleyball exceptionally well. I think it's a fun game to watch. At times, I want people to kill the ball. But I think that's, that's changing a little bit. Yeah. Uh, I, I see less tipping than I saw 10 years ago. In the women's game today. You think some of that has to do with the fact that a lot of these college kids, and maybe even younger, are practicing against guys now? Well, I don't know that it's practicing against guys. I, I think it's practicing a lot more. Yep. I think it's the evolution of the game. Okay. I think it's it's the evolution of the athlete, the destiny hookers of the world, yep. when you talk to the international level. Yeah. I think the athletes are getting better, and I think the game is getting better. And if you watch, if you've ever seen women try and play in a men's net, it's not good. Because, look, a, a woman, when they're talking about a good college player, oh, she touches 10-8. Big freaking deal. I got I got. You do that easily. 600,000 men who could touch 10-8. You know, every athlete, basically, that plays volleyball on the men's side could touch 10-8. Not everyone, but a substantial portion. Uh, you know, the exceptional athletes, and those are the exceptional athletes, oh, they touch 10-8. The exceptional athletes in the men's game are touching 11-8. That's a whole foot above it, and it makes a huge difference. And I guarantee they're getting there faster than the women who are touching that high. Yeah. So it's just the acknowledgement that we're different is a tough one for some women's lib folks, for folks that went through the war of my mom's generation where it was, no, you can't play sports. Yeah. So I understand why you're opposed, hesitant, you know, not willing to have any discussion and fly off the handle quite literally when anything like this comes up. But I think if you sit down and really look at it, it's definitely something that needs to be considered. Because if you watch the product, the product's not good. If you watch the product in women's volleyball, the product is good. It's a really nice product. And tennis is not a good comparison because there's no jumping. Yeah. And the heights of the athletes are about the same. Who's good at women's tennis? They're about 6'3", right? A lot of those women are 6'3", 6'1", 6'0". There are some good smaller ones, for sure. But in the men's game, you look at the men's game, who are the exceptional athletes by far? I mean, they're 6'5", 6'4", big power athletes. And there are still the guys who are 5'10", who are good. Yeah. it's There's no jumping involved. And the athletes are within a couple of inches of each other. When you're talking about a jumping sport, and the men outjump the women routinely by a foot, that makes a big difference as to the way the game is played. For sure. So when, when I hear Kevin Blackstone bring up volleyball is the same, you know, or, or not the same, pardon me. Yeah. It is. It's exactly the same. It's a jumping sport. Why do you think the same athletes play basketball that play volleyball in both genders? Yeah. Because it's the same basic set of skills, same basic body type. That's why. Well, and I think that's what this argument comes down to is it's not that the women aren't playing good basketball or that lowering the rims can make them play better basketball. It's an entertainment thing. It fixes the game. The game is a, the game is a roadblock right now, I think, to, to it being more entertaining, yes. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's, it's all comes down to it. And they will make more shots. They'll dunk. They'll they'll be around the rim more. I mean, all of a sudden, if you lower it at a foot, you go from having two athletes who can dunk, Brittany Griner and 
one other, you know. Yeah. Who to having, I don't know, a lot more. Think about how that it would affect to the people now how that would affect their shot though, like their jump shot and stuff. It's easier. I don't know. You ha- I mean, it's a different mechanic. Eh, no, it's the same mechanic. You ever shot on an eight foot rim? You can make a whole bunch of baskets on an eight foot rim. I don't really shoot at the eight foot ring. I just try to dunk on it. I got kids. Yeah. <laughs> I just I don't try to shoot. I just try to go in and dunk on people's heads. Good point. <laughs> Lower the rim to eight feet. I, I think it's worth the discussion. I think people who are killing the discussion uh, immediately are are doing a disservice to to the potential progression well, of think- the sport. And I think that volleyball is a bad comparison when you say it's not the same. I think it is a good comparison to the level at which women play volleyball in the United States. It is a fun game. It is an entertaining game. If you put it at eight feet, you have a lot of women hitting the tape and you'd have almost no block. I also think it would be different if it was a female that brought up the idea of lowering the rim as opposed to a male coach. And that was what it was. Why do they have a guy telling it? Because the guy's been coaching that thing for 30 years. Yeah. That's why. And he's won 100 championships. I don't understand why that's the the mantra. Oh, we can't have guys coaching girls. Well, I'm sorry. If women would make different choices, fine. And, and the few women that do make the choice to be a coach or the women that make the choice to stay in the sport for that many years, make that choice. That's different, but it's unusual. It's not the norm. Women make different choices. It's the same reason why I ask these college coaches, do your players talk about volleyball off the court? The answer is always no. On the women's side. Yeah, juniors or college, it's always no. From the moment that ball hits the ground and the whistle is blown and practice is over, they are talking about other things. It's just their nature. It's not anything anyone's done to them. It's not something that makes them less valuable. It's not something that is uh, somehow bred into them. No, it's not bred into them. This is who they are. They don't talk about volleyball. They just don't. They don't talk about sports. They don't care. They have other things they care about. And those other things are fine. We're a bunch of monkeys sitting around picking fleas off each other and talking about any sport we can. And if there wasn't a sport to talk about, we'd make one up. Just see Afghanistan where they're hucking a goat while riding horses. You know? That's not a. That's not what's, a. What's the name of that sport? I forget, but I've seen it on TV <laughs> on CNN International. Because I want to know the name of that. They're sport. hucking a dead goat. Because that's if you have nothing, else you create a do? sport. Yeah. That's what we do. Yep. That's what men do. Women don't do that. Period. They just in the same numbers, and there are a couple. There's always a couple outliers, right? And it's, there's a couple of guys who don't care about sports. Yeah, of course. There's a couple of women who do. Yeah. So it's just society. It's just the way it is. It's just gender. It's just, and you know what? When the zombies come, the men will still be creating sports and playing them, and the women won't be. What about the idea of raising the rim in men's basketball that had been brought up by a couple players like Dwight Howard because he can touch 12-something? I think it's an interesting idea. I think you're going the opposite way. I mean, I enjoy all the dunking. People, purists, again. That's why people go to the games. I know. Purists go back and say, oh, well, you know, it's ruining the game. Nobody can shoot. Well, it's just a different game, dude. If that was the case, then baseball stadiums would be huge so nobody could hit a home run. Right. Right. College Volleyball Weekly coming up next year on the Net Live as we power through a Monday, two days before Halloween. I'll tell you about a couple national team parties we had. Costumes. Great Halloween costumes. Interesting. I should, I should scan some stuff and get that old one. Winslow, Sorensen, McCaw, Salima, Davidson, now Rockwell of Texas. Got some what, good was your best co- what was your best costume ever? Jason Ring and I, as old school volleyball player, or old school basketball players, I wore no joke out of the thrift store a boys' medium <laughs> youth outfit. 
I'll get the picture for you uh, during the break. The visual is not what I need right the now. The net live, right back. Welcome back into the Net Live. Brought out the photo album there for you, Jeremy. I'm going to snap a picture of you in those short shorts. You have great thighs, Kevin. Yeah, I had great thighs, yep. That was uh, Halloween 1997, first year on the national team. Jason Ring and I do an old school basketball player. There's some great costumes in there. Tom Sorensen as a Girl Scout. Who was Monica Sellis with the stab? That's Kim. With the, Kim Keys. the knife in her back? That's... Kim Keys as Monica Sellis, yeah. And then a massive snowstorm. We had uh, 20... Eight inches or of snow. Can I ask a that question? That was actually before Halloween. Why do guys like dressing up as girls on Halloween? I've done it. No, I know. I don't know. Because it's an excuse. You can cross-dress. And girls love it, by the way. I, I never knew that in high school. My mom wanted me to go as a girl yeah, on I Halloween. Never. I, was, I couldn't do it. I had no courage. 
Dude, that was the key to the kingdom. That was the, it's the key to the kingdom right there. They will there. come over to your house, put the makeup on for you, dress you up, and they feel like you're more manly because you're dressing up as a woman than you could be if you were all Hulk hogan out. I went as Big Alice to a party a few years ago. Of course you did. And my mother-in-law and my, and my wife helped me with my makeup. I looked pretty. Dude, guys were hitting on me. It was awesome. Uh, yeah. Until they saw the... Until they saw the package or the Adam's apple. The Adam's apple. <laughs> a little scared of that one. All right. Play us some music here, DJ Roche. We've got actual work to do. No more screwing around. Why not? Why? It's fun looking at old photos of you, Kevin. Yeah, there's some good ones in there, man. There's some good national team stuff. In association with the American Volleyball Coaches Association, the NetLive is proud each week to present the College Volleyball Weekly, a recap of the best of what was and the best of what will be in the world of college volleyball. Since it's October, it's still the women. Lots of great matches going on out there, and we bring in our correspondents, Mike Sonheimer from UCLA and Brandon Rosenthal from Lipscomb University. Gentlemen. Yes. What's happening, guys? All I know is what I've learned about Barnett in the last 10 minutes. I'm not sure I can stay on the phone much longer with all of his different uh, little idiosyncrasies in life. Well, Hi, Mike. We'll see if we can't all get along. <laughs> all right. Results from this past week. Pretty amazing. Pretty amazing. Tell me about it. Well, we talked about balance. We talked about parity. And we've had it this week. When you look at uh, Penn State loses to Nebraska in five. Nebraska at home has their streak stat by Ohio State. It was the team of the week. You look at Washington comes down west and loses a close five to USC and a close four to UCLA. And Oregon and Stanford play next Sunday, probably for number one. Yeah, Oregon and Stanford, that is going to be an incredible match. I can't wait for that Are one. you doing that match? Uh, I will not be at that one. I don't know who's doing Oregon and Stanford. And then we have not Florida mention, State uh, during the week beating Florida, very impressively 3-0 at home. So they have established themselves as the best team in the South for this year. Yeah, not to mention out of the West Coast Conference, San Diego having a tough week. And uh, St. Mary's. Yeah, St. Mary's really making a <clears throat> stake or a claim to be in the top 25. So Well, there's five uh, teams in a game now of that, in that conference, Brandon. I mean, San Diego's got two losses, and then you've got Pepperdine, BYU, Santa Clara, and St. Mary's all right together, bunching that conference. What would be interesting, too, is what, uh, what's going on this week as Pepperdine will play St. Mary's at home and then on the road against San Diego. So, huge week in the West Coast Conference. And Halloween night, San Diego's at BYU, which ought to be a pretty wild night in uh, Mormon land in, in Provo. Mormon land. on <laughs> <laughs> Oregon at number two, Penn State drops to number three, Nebraska State at number four because I don't know, lose number three, number one. That's not the five, so the cap six, Texas seven, Hawaii is at number nine, and Minnesota is ten. You're cutting out again on my own. If you're cutting out on Brandon, ah, uh, well, we'll just hang it in there, Mike. <laughs> he is, but I count it as a blessing. Not many of the times in life does uh, that happen, so Definitely. I'll take it. We need to speed the internet here at the uh, the home court. But uh, talk to me about Nebraska, Mike. Tell me about. Well, they've got a lot of physical talent, and when they play well, they're as good as anybody in the country. Lauren Cook sets a really nice system. They've got three outstanding outside hitters and two good middle blockers, and they are very, very tough. But uh, 
Ohio State came in and knocked them off, and then they played Penn State super tough and knocked off Penn State. And I still think day in and day out, there's really a handful of teams, including Texas, probably eight of the ten could win the NCAA title. And I think it's all going to come down to, like I've said before all season, it's all going to come down to matchups and who goes where in what region and to how everything gets into the NCAAs come Louisville time. Yeah, region matchups important, and that was all the more important for Hawaii when they defeated Long Beach to keep the opportunity open for them to. And in Louisville, Brandon, of course, the weeks or this year's final four, they're ten one in the Big East at twenty five three overall. Could they play at home in the final four? Yeah, you know, I think uh, just talking with Ann throughout the summer and then uh, you know this early part of the year, Louisville is definitely. Um, mapped their road out, uh, not only with who they play, but when they play for this idea that uh, they're going to be vying for the national championship. And I think it's neat to see when coaches have this vision, but, uh, you know, when teams buy into it and you look at their their year, there is no doubt that they are ready to go. I mean, uh, really losing a tough home match against Texas in five, and then uh, really only one what you would call bad loss, basically, and that's uh, a loss to Notre Dame in five. Uh, So it should be interesting. Even coming up this week, uh, Louisville will go out of conference on Tuesday night. Uh, They're going to be visiting the University of Tennessee. So again, props to Ann Cordes to not only saying, hey, listen, it's in our backyard, and it's at our home gym, but we're going to go out and play tough competition throughout the year and really get ready for uh, the run. No question about that. I, I really like the fact that she's played some great non-conference matches early in the week around her conference matches. They haven't ducked anybody, and they are going to be a very, very tough out is they have a real good shot at being a top 16 seed, getting the first two rounds in their home court, and then wherever they have to go for the regional, that's going to be tough on that team that has to play them. Michael. You know the other thing about Anne is if you got, if you look at her history with St. Louis too, not afraid to take on the big name teams not only throughout the year but also in the tournament, and so uh, she knows how to coach. And when I say X's and O's is one thing, but she knows how to push the team and get them ready for big matches. Mike, are you on the RPI at this point? Does that really start to become the focus? I think you look at that, but I think it's really about there's so many teams that have a chance to win conference titles. I mean, right now, I mean, I think Oregon is the team that should be number one because you have to look at Stanford had a loss at Hawaii. Oregon's only loss is a close five-gamer to Stanford. But Oregon non-conference didn't really play as tough a non-conference schedule as Stanford, let's say, for example. None of them played as tough conference as Texas played everybody, who's sitting at number eight but could easily get up to maybe number one seed based on the quality of their schedule at the end of the year. You're looking at a team like Washington that has one win over Purdue. Washington needed to beat SC or UCLA to have a road win. UCLA's got three close five-game losses, but they don't have any good road wins. They're going to get a shot at Oregon right before Thanksgiving. But if those teams don't get those road wins, then that's going to put a lot of pressure on the NCAA to go back to the RPI and really look at how they're going to end up seeding depending on how the conferences turn out, because Penn State's played a great schedule, and right now someone's got to knock them off, like Minnesota's got a shot at them this week. Otherwise, Penn State's going to win the Big Ten and should deserve the number one seed. Yeah, you know, one of the things that I was going to couple that with is the idea of the parity that they have this year. Uh, in years past, there hasn't been this parity, so it's been fairly easy to go ahead and seed with, okay, well, so-and-so beat so-and-so. This year, everybody's kind of beating each other, 
So I really kind of agree with what Mike's saying is uh, the RPI is really going to come in play, and whether you love it or you hate it, it's here. And, For sure. You know, I know – I know volleyball uh, is looking to move to you know something else other than the RPI, maybe a kind of a Pablo ranking and, and things like that. But I guarantee you this year the RPI is going to have a major factor in not only uh, establishing all 64 teams, but uh, even more so than any year before this is with, you know what teams get those seeds. Yeah, because if you look at it right now, you would figure that Stanford's going to end up at Cal Berkeley, Nebraska's going to end up at Nebraska-Omaha, Texas going to end up at Texas, Purdue's going to end up in Purdue, but that's going to be, I think, the place that somebody wants to go. And I could see Penn State being a number one in the Purdue bracket, Nebraska being a number one Nebraska bracket, Texas being a one or two in the Texas bracket, and Stanford being number one at Cal. Those teams are all going to have inside tracks on being into the into Louisville. Mike, I'm looking at the 500 rule. The new rule has to be over 500. That's going to affect well, they had here, but right. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely going to play a factor because, again, the middle teams in this conference, if they end up, you know, ending up with a losing record, like they end up like an eight and twelve, or they end up seven and eleven, because their non-conference is so tough, they could drop below five hundred, and there's four or five teams that may not get in, which may open it up for the mid-majors. Brandon, how yeah, much? you know, uh, go ahead. How much of an effect do you think that has on some of the other conference? I, I, I was just going to say, I think every year you talk about these teams that schedule an even number of matches, and what ends up happening is uh, there's this really odd thing where a team ends up 15 and 15 or something like that, and really, in some way, shape, or form, screws themselves out of even being considered. And it's kind of that hard and fast rule that the NCAA isn't going to look past. And uh you know, we've had this discussion before, you know, especially in the bigger conferences where teams are, let's say, uh, 5 and 12 or whatever it is in conference. I, I just don't buy it. I think that you've got to have a better record in conference. I don't care what conference you're in. Uh, I think when you're starting to talk about teams that are 5 and something or, you know, 4 and something, I'm sorry, save it for next year. Uh, give somebody else a chance. I, I just don't believe that because you play in a tougher conference, you know, you have all the resources and all the, you know, the things afforded you because you're in that tougher conference. If you can't get it done in conference, thanks. Better luck next, next year. And, of course, somebody from a bigger conference would totally disagree with that, thinking that they would be winning first place in Lipscomb's conference pretty easily if they're seventh or eighth in the Big Ten or the Pac-10, for example, Pac-12, for example. To go and coach in said conference. It's, I mean, it's 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 a, you know it's a catch twenty two, but I think you know the bigger conferences you have to play the better teams because if you're in the bigger conferences and you're not going to be in the top four or five, the NCAA is going to look at the quality of your schedule. If you go out and blow out teams, but you play smaller teams and you're in the middle of the conference, they're not going to let you in over a second place team in a mid major conference necessarily. They might lose a conference title. Oh, but Mike, I- on the same on the same token, because we're in a lesser conference, we don't get to choose who we play. You know what I'm saying? Come so on out, West. We'll play you any time. Come on out. We'll be happy to play you. <laughs> you have the budget. Come on out. We'll be happy to play to It'll definitely increase your RPI. Then Mike Seeley doesn't want to come play uh, in Nashville. We're not doing it. We're, we're not doing type of town. Sure, we can play Vanderbilt. Sure. Line us up. <laughs> Give us a guarantee. We'll be back there. I guarantee you, you won't be able to play Vanderbilt. I, uh, how about that one? Because <laughs> they have no program, I know. That's right. <laughs> With the new Nashville series on TV, I'm I'm liking me some Connie Britt. 
So I'm I, think all be, I think it'd be great to come back there. I mean, yeah, if you can line us up some other schools to come back and play and give us a good guarantee, I could talk to Mike Steely about that. I'll tell you what. We'll guarantee Hayden Panettiere at the match, and uh, Barnett will be sitting courtside, no doubt. I like oh, that. Get it on TV. I think we could win. I want Connie Friday night. Like, <laughs> what would your wife say? Forget the new complainer. Oh, she looks like Connie Britton, man. All right. Gentlemen, give us something for the next week to look forward to. It's got to be something. I mean, I, I know it's got to be Stanford, Stanford at Oregon. Stanford has just been playing wonderful with their young team. They will get sorely tested on the road, and we'll see what happens with that. I think that's going to be a game to look at. And Minnesota, if they're going to make any kind of a statement, play Penn State on Friday. I think those are the two. I'm really looking forward to see what happens. I'm going to go with Ohio State. Huge week this past week, beating Nebraska at Nebraska. Uh, They've got Wisconsin and Minnesota at home. Uh, We want to see if they're real. I mean, here's the here's a big test. uh, You know, with Minnesota playing as well as they are. So again, tough, tough weekend for Minnesota. Definitely, gentlemen. Thank you very much. Appreciate your looking forward to that. Boys, happy Halloween. Happy Halloween to you and your family. Yeah, Barnett. Keep the skirts off. All right. See you guys. Take care. See ya. Lady Bears and Bruins. Can't wait for that matchup. That's going to be a good one. Are you calling that one? Bears Bruins? No. What are you doing? That's uh, Lipscomb Bisons, actually, versus the uh, the Bears. No. Better not find you out for that? No. This week, I I head up to Seattle. We've got Minnesota taking on Utah. And that's actually one of the things I wanted to ask him about because Utah's in, a, in that situation where they moved up into the Pac-12 from the Mountain West. They were very good in the Mountain West, lots of championships, lots of titles, lots of trips to the NCAAs, but not a lot of trips now. They're in the middle, the bottom of the Pac-12. Pac-12 is gnarly. Yeah, so that's a conversation for next week. Somebody remind me to talk about Utah with these guys, or these guys can remind me to talk Utah. about Utah. Johnny, Utah. Um, while you guys were talking on the message board... I think it was Cam Kerr. I need to scroll back a little bit here. But I was talking about having a rank of full tournament as opposed to the way it is right now. Right. Yeah, and that's been the discussion is why why isn't that happening, uh, that that should be happening. Explain that to me a little bit. Like what's the uh, – oh, I think they rank the top 16. Yeah. I mean these guys know better than I do, but they rank the top 16. And then the rest are seated by travel so you have teams that, you know, the, the idea for the NCAA is to save as much money as possible yeah. and travel teams as little as possible. They'll tell you it's because the students need to go to class, but that's a complete uh, lie. It's they, just a lie. They do it for... To save money. But in basketball. I know. And, and that's why... I, it's <laughs> so a, I don't want to get you started. Well, it's just the hypocrisy <laughs> of it. You yeah. know, it's like, look, just, just say you want to save money. Don't tell me, oh, it's because of the students. No, it's not. I'd rather you say, but I just want to save money. Just say you're going to save money. Yeah. Just don't lie to me. You know. Same thing with like the, you know, you're going to get political with the whole rack deal. Just tell me you're going there because you want to control the oil. Don't give me some BS about WMDs. Anyways, good stuff from those guys. As always. As always. Yeah. I like when they can't hear you and they just talk over you and uh, just take the show on their own. Yeah, it's okay. It's fine. They're better at it than me anyway. I don't really. I know stuff about my matches. I don't necessarily know everything about everything. I'm not following the global scene, right? Because I've got match to match. I've got three matches a week to prepare for. That's a whole bunch of info and teams to know dead away to where, get it on the television. Where are you this weekend? I am up in Seattle, and I was looking up who they're playing. They're playing Utah. Utah. Yeah, I've got that. And then I come home, and then I go back for Oregon State. 
versus ASU. That's actually a weird one. That's a Thursday matchup. Thursday the 8th, if I have that correct. i got to look that up. And then I'll be Longhorn Network the week after on Wednesday. Cool. Texas, Texas Tech. I'm supposed to be at Texas, West Virginia on Saturday the 17th, but that may or may not happen. Texas at West Virginia? Well, no, versus West Virginia, sorry. Gotcha. At Texas. Gotcha. Because I can't get from here to Austin early on Saturday, so I'm, I'm working on that right now as we speak. Efforting. Efforting, exactly. And finish out my Pac-12 schedule with uh, Oregon State. Uh, go up there, and then I have Washington State. So I have Oregon State versus USC, and then I have Washington State versus Arizona to finish the year, and then I will fly home the morning of Thanksgiving. 5 a.m. flight out of Spokane. Enjoy that. I'm going to take a nap after I eat some turkey. You <laughs> but think? I get home on Thursday. Jeez. Get home by 10.30. It's, uh, it's going to be a brutal one. Cause, uh, I don't know. The match originally was at like 10 o'clock in the morning on oh, Wednesday. Wednesday the 21st. Yeah. And I thought, okay, fine. I can do that. I can get out that night. I'll be home in the evening. No problem. That makes sense. Makes sense for the students. You play and then you go home. Somebody scheduled the match at 8 o'clock the night before Thanksgiving. How many people do you think are going to be in the crowd? Well, maybe they're thinking families of these kids will be there. Is the school a commuter school? Like, do they live on campus? Some Washington State? Yeah. It's in Pullman. There's nothing what there. What is your cat doing right now to Attacking me? you. Why? Sit in your lap. No. That's You're not allergic. Happen. Yeah. Plus your cat. First of all, why do you have a cat? You have two boys. Why do you have a cat? Well, we've had the cat for 18 years, and the wife loves cats. This was uh, the second cat we got. The first cat disappeared, unfortunately, because that was my cat. Uh, bought for my wife's birthday, but then... Disappeared. This cat was actually gotten on my 21st birthday, so that's how long she's been around. Yeah, 17 years. Your cat has a new haircut right now, too. Yeah, she needs a line cut because she has long hair, which we didn't know at first, and she's an absolute mess, and she's shedding. And by the line cut, her tail is shaved, and except for the tip. Yeah, shaved from behind the neck down to just above the what would be the knee in the front, and then all the way to the entire body, belly, everything, leaving socks on the back. And then uh, cut up to the very ball awesome. of the tail. Yeah, it's a it's a cool looking cut. But yeah, the cat is very old. The kids don't like the cat. Well, they love the cat, but they they don't like the fact that the cat is boring. It well, because the cat's play. old. Cat's yeah. old is like, look, guys. Yeah, it's like I've been around for a while. Ninety year old humans are not so much fun either. <laughs> Let's go play ball. Okay. Oh, okay. By the way, I had a lady yesterday on the jetway. I was getting off my flight here at about ten o'clock last night, waiting on our bags. She almost fell. Off the jet bridge. How? She was standing, waiting. It's kind of a weird jet bridge, too. It kind of jogged a little bit out of the plane. United. I saw you complain about him on Twitter. Yeah, boy, the back of the plane just smelled like dog poop. Literally. dog. I I was looking around to see who had played hide the dookie. Because it smelled like that. It was. It wasn't like, hey, I'm close to the bathroom. I'm in the back of the plane. Yeah. It wasn't like I'm close to it. There's a medicinal kind of laced with uh, bathroom smell. Maybe somebody stepped in it. It it yeah that's what I was thinking it was on someone's shoes there literally was poop somewhere on the plane it was so gross <laughs> so gross so anyway we're getting off the plane we're waiting for our bags because it's such a small plane you can't even have your your roll on yeah so we're waiting there and this woman trips and falls right where the bridge and the plane kind of because it was the bridge and there was a little smaller bridge to the plane. Yeah, of course. So there was kind of a space between. And she fell right next to that thing and literally oh. almost tipped over in between the two and would have fallen down. It's like, holy cow. But, you know, older woman, a little out of shape and just caught her foot, I think. And there's yeah. no recovering if you're yeah. old and, and out of shape and slow like that. It's, that's trouble, mm, man. Scary. 
Yeah, really scary. I thought she was going to perish. <laughs> that would be a nice way to end your trip. Oh, yeah. Welcome back to L.A. And you're dead. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we appreciate you having tuned in for this week's show. It turned out to be a good one. I like all of our uh, our discussions and our, our directions. We went a lot of different places today. Jeremy, nice job. Yeah, you made me an expert today on the music. Appreciate that. You're an expert on the music every day. Today anyway, we just talked about it. I'm a professional. <laughs> We'll endeavor to return next week with Mr. McGee, who was hosting the WCC basketball preseason conference today, I believe. Press conference. I believe those are going on. You know, he's big time with Time Warner now. His partner, big game, James. James Worthy, former Laker, those that don't remember. Yeah, when are we going to get uh, texts or emails from Geeter like, oh, sorry, guys, can't make this show. I'm going over to James' house for a gathering with the family. Yeah. That's what that's gonna be the next email. Right. Yeah. Right. I'll be at Magic's today. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Yep. Sorry. Kobe and I got to do a little shopping to do. First of all, he'll never be friends with Kobe. Nobody's. And if not, with Kobe's not friends. Exactly. With Kobe. Not a fault of Geeter. I I have a physician friend who repaired my shoulder. Harvard trained shoulder surgeon. Very well respected. Worked for Curlin Job for a while early in his career. Covers USC now. And other professional athletics. Worked with the Lakers for a while. He and the other people who were in there doing physicals and stuff, the other doctors were told not to look at Kobe. Not even don't speak to him. Of course don't speak to him. Don't even look at Kobe. How, as a human being, can you get to a point where you tell other human beings, don't even look at me? You know what I would have done? Stared right at him. Walked over and introduced myself. Hey, Kobe Bryant, Kevin Barnett, indoor volleyball. Put your arm around his shoulder. <laughs> that drives me crazy. It's it's ridiculous. I mean, look, if I had that kind of fame, that kind of money, I would never, ever think to say or do something like that. Well, I have to remind people, too, like when you have – millions and millions of dollars, I can't imagine the people that are coming up to you and asking oh. you for stuff. Like, I get it. Even just carts at the LBSU game the other night. I mean, oh, I can only imagine. constantly talking to them, taking pictures imagine. with them and stuff. And it's, yeah. Did they tell you not to look at carts during the broadcast? <laughs> Don't look at carts <laughs> during the broadcast. Do not look Mr. Karai's way. <laughs> Should Mr. Karai need anything, please stop speaking immediately on air and take care of whatever his need is. No, it, it, it is a definite situation that I'm not familiar with, you know, that, that nobody can be familiar with to be in that position, of course. to have that demand placed on you all the time. I can't imagine. And forget, I mean, Karch is, is big enough when he's in a volleyball setting. If he's outside of a volleyball setting, nobody's coming up to Karch at like Hughes or Rouse and yeah. saying, you know, oh, I'm, crying. I'm sure it has happened, but it's not routine. Where if you're Dwight Howard, it's routine. You're Kobe. You can't go anywhere. Well, plus those guys stand out a little bit more. You can't go to a movie. Well, yeah, because you're seven feet tall. That's what I'm saying. And Kobe's face has been on everything for 15 years. So that's a different situation for them to have to deal with that kind of stardom. And and I give people some slack. But that slack does not extend to don't look at Kobe. Well, and it's not like (laughs) Kobe and the doctor were in the grocery store, like you said. They were in probably the training facility, and the guy's a doctor. And he's working for the team. Right. And one of my one of the other doctors who was there actually got stuck in a room. Kobe walked in because the guy was just sitting there watching TV, downtime between physicals. Kobe walked in and sat down next to him. 
So now he's not supposed to look at the guy that's sitting on the couch next to him. I would say, I would just say, how's it going? At least I would acknowledge your presence. And Kobe were watching something, some All Star thing or some something on TV, and Kobe started yelling about somebody not, you know, somebody getting more press than them or this or that. Yeah, started yelling funny. at the TV. That's funny. Kobe is that guy. You have to acknowledge other human beings. There's a rider in motocross who is is reviled because of his ego and insecurity and stuff like that. That's it's a long time. One hour and 44 minutes and 53 seconds. Uh, besides me wheeling away from that didn't, that didn't count. That was your escape. <laughs> no, that, wasn't, that wasn't a moto reference. It was me coming out of a forest fire. Yes, this is the moto reference for the show. But there's a guy like that, and he's always been nice to me when I've had to interview him. Yeah. But I saw a little piece of that jealousy and that, that insecurity in him at this last event I went to. Because I, there was a big event going on on the, the truck across from him, the paddock. Yeah. And I was at that event. It was a press conference, big announcement for a new team. I walked from the, the towards the end of that event. I walked from that to walk over and say hi to this guy, Mike. And I said, "Hey, Mike, you know, hey, good to see you. How's it going?" And that, and yeah, okay. And, but he's preoccupied with the press conference. And he go, he goes, "Hey, I'm over here. Some of you guys come over here, talk to me." I'm like, oh, there's the real Mike. Interesting. There you are. Uh, but never mind. The press conference over there. That's the goat. Guy's name is Ricky yeah. Carmichael. You might have heard of him, even the greatest of all time, yeah. announcing his new team. Yeah. No one's coming over to talk to you, Mike. Ever, not not during this. Yeah, but that, it's that same thing. Except Kobe is among the greats, but still feels like maybe he's not. I guess, or has that insecurity about stuff. But, but maybe, like like he said just a couple of weeks ago, oh, this is my team. It's my team. Everybody knows it's your team. Of course it's, it's your Steve team. It's not Steve Nash's team. Yeah. It's not Dwight Howard. It's, it's your team. We know that. You you should not have to say that. It's I think it goes to the competitiveness of it a little bit as well. Yeah, competitiveness to a fault. Yeah, yeah of course. Yeah. I remember um, Chicago, after Karen Misty came back from winning their first goal, Chicago was the first tournament. Yes. And just walking down the street with Kerry, going to dinner after the tournament oh, was over. Oh, good Lord. I can't imagine that happening all the time. Right. And she's like, she had the gold medal in her pocket. For her, at least, it fades. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, I'm sure she gets recognized in places she goes. I mean, you can't walk around sure. in a volleyball tournament with Carrie without her getting stopped every 10 seconds. But I can't imagine that being everywhere I go all the time. Right. I cannot imagine. Can't if imagine. If you're a movie star. Wouldn't want it. NBA guy. Would not want it at all whatsoever. I wouldn't want all that. I'll take the but money. I, I don't think, need the I think, I think the trade-off's okay. The money? I mean, that's what the trade-off is. Well, and, and the performance at that level. I mean, yeah, the money is fun. I'd, I'd like to oh, be able to be at the top. But yeah, 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 but being at the no, top I'm is fun. You yeah, know, yeah. being performing like that is fun. I would I would take that aspect of it and the performance side of things to deal with the rest. That's okay. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I'm with you on that. Because it is. It, it's fun to be the best at what you do. For sure. No matter what it is. I'm the best DJ on the show. Definitely. Best DJ ever. That's true, ever, ever, on this show. In the history of the I'm the goat. You are the goat. <laughs> <laughs> we hope you're the best at what you do out there this next week in between net lives. Thanks a lot for tuning in. Jeremy and Kevin holding down the home court next week. We may have McGee. Who knows? Pretty might check in, and we'll continue to endeavor to get you some new guests and people to talk to. Those that are on the East Coast, stay safe. Stormwatch 2012. <laughs> we hope that uh, you make it through, you and your family. The Net Live for another week is over. Happy Halloween!
the eight till twelve till the party really start. And I always had to be home by ten, right before the fun was about to begin. Well, the people lined up inside and out, just for one reason, to rock the house. But in the daytime, the streets were clear. You couldn't find a good street anywhere, cause... Like to wear leather jackets, change the spikes to wear rips and zippers all in their shirts. Real tight pants, press mini skirts, all kinds of colors run through their hair, and you can just about find Volleyball Mag, the industry's number one volleyball magazine. Volleyball Magazine has been serving the volleyball community for over 20 years with the latest in volleyball news and information, product reviews, athlete profiles, fitness, health, and travel-related features. It's published nine times a year. Volleyball Magazine brings you the inside to the access to sports' biggest stars. Whether you're interested in junior, collegiate, or professional level, sand or indoor, Volleyball Magazine has you covered both on and off the court. Visit us now. Do it. www.volleyballmag.com and subscribe for one year for only $19.99. Do that now and receive a new water bottle, a $49 value, free compliments of our friends at Naturally Energized Water Bottle Company. Volleyball Mag, the industry's number one volleyball magazine. 